Welcome to another edition of the Unicorns podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Today on the Unicorns, joining me is Brad Jenkins, head of leisure at the Lewis Land Group, a company described as Australia's oldest private property developer. Brad Jenkins, welcome to the program. Good morning, Justin. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Okay, so for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the Lewis Land Group, tell us more about the company. Mate, Lewis Land has been around oh, since the 1950s. Uh, a lot of sizable developments along the east coast of Australia have been done over the last 70 years, really. Uh, a lot of stuff in the Gold Coast. Uh, Sovereign Island's probably the most notable okay. property and development that's been done. A lot of the canal system uh, around Runaway Bay, etc. So there's been a lot of work around that space. Uh, in New South Wales, in the early days, Campbelltown, a little bit down in Victoria as well. So, yeah. You're just, talking about like prop- property development? Yeah. So we've built over 20,000 residential lots in our time. Mm. So, mm. yeah, we kept that. And then we've also got other aspects to our business now where we've got our residential, um, develop, sorry, our residential development still going now in Port Macquarie. Uh, which is a sizable development there. Yes, uh, I've, I've, I've been reading about that. It's huge. Yeah, it is enormous. A whole new community there. So it's, uh, you know, schools, everything. It's a whole new suburb, Sovereign Hills. Mm. For everyone's information. That, that, that's, that's just on the outskirts of like the main centre of town, isn't it? Yeah, basi- oh, you're basically straight off the Pacific Highway as you're coming back from Brisbane or mm. going up from Brisbane, <laughs> yep. by the way. Yeah. Yep. So, and so that, and that's in- moving along nicely too. The guys, are, well, I'm not directly involved in that. It's, it's been moving very nicely. And they just put a town centre in. Uh, yeah, it was pretty encouraging the way that's been coming along. So in terms of the, the different asset mix within the wider business, what, what do you have at Lewis Land? So that, uh, what I was just saying there with the residential, so I've got the retail space. So there's a Harbour Town shopping centre uh, in the Gold Coast uh, there, and there's one down at Adelaide near the airport. So they're big, uh, similar to a DFO, I probably shouldn't say DFO, but <laughs> they're their own. <laughs> yeah. The, the big, similar, uh, big, yeah. Big, uh, big depot, big warehouse, we super Correct. shopping. Yeah. Yes, that's it. And then more importantly, where I'm involved, which is the leisure division, uh, which we've got a number of pub-style hotels plus accommodation uh, in Sydney and in, in Brisbane. Okay, so you're you're obviously a, a national business. Is there, are there any areas where you you don't have a geographical footprint? Uh, nothing going on in the west at the moment, or uh, yeah, or the territory. So Western Australia, Northern Territory aren't in our scope at the moment, or North Queensland. Yeah. Yep. But not to say that one day we won't find that. Hmm. Okay, so in terms of um, your uh, area of expertise, you, you run the leisure section. So so what does that involve? Well, the leisure section is basically pub-style hotels, and we have some accommodation in there as well. Um, we Our main revenues there is basically through food sales, uh, drinks. We've got retail division in bottle shops. 
uh, accommodation. We have uh, a McEwer Hotel at one of our sites, and then we have a owned accommodation another one. And also gaming machines, which are obviously important part of today's business mix as well. Mm. Okay, so let's, so let, let's list them off. What, um, what, what are the brands, what are the pubs, what are the hotels that you operate? Yeah, the biggest or the most well-known one's the Fiddler at Rouse Hill, which is a large yeah. footprint. It's about two and a half hectare space. It's got uh, holds about two thousand three hundred people. Um, really, I, don't, um, I didn't think it was that big. Oh, uh, we can probably fit more. <laughs> so, yeah, not, not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> not at the moment. No, not at the moment. I'm sure, we'll, get we'll to have that. a discussion yeah. about that a bit later. But yeah, it's a it's a little bit. Uh, difficult at the moment, but yes, in its uh, normal trading environment, yeah, it can fit up to 2,300 people. I mean, it's got 650 car spots, uh, and we've just put a McEwa hotel with 80 rooms on that same site. Uh, so, multifaceted, uh, multifaceted business, not a word we like to use, but multifaceted, you know, there's a, lot, there's a bit there for everyone. So, uh, so, would that have to be one of Sydney's biggest pubs? I would say it's probably in the top five. Yeah, mm. it would fit in there. Yeah. So there's a few of us there that are in the top you know, five or ten. It's up there, yeah. There, and, and that's probably where we specialise. I, I call them mega pubs. I don't think it's a common term out there in the marketplace. but it, it's And it's pretty unique to Australia for that matter. You don't see them anywhere else in the world, but they are mega pubs. I mean, you see some on the uh, you know, around Coogee and you see, uh, you know, Cronulla and some of those big areas uh, where you can fit these massive sites with a lot of people. So yeah. they're quite unique to Australia. I have not seen it anywhere else in the world that I've been where you've got these sites at this scale. Yeah. Um, okay, so you've got the Fiddler. Um, what else have you got in Sydney? Uh, Camden Valley Inn, which we recently reopened after having a mm-hmm. major development there. It's a, uh, once again, it sits on two and a half hectares as well. It's uh, a terrific spot. It's just overlooking uh, the mountains out there at uh, Camden. It's uh, on the edge of the development that's hitting the uh, southwest corridor there. So we've still mm. got the cows. Been there. It's fantastic. You do. Oh. There's, there are, there's cows on the <laughs> doorstep. The and then you've got about a thousand uh, trading utes across the road as they starting to come across it. But we're, we're, we're reasonably protected from that development at the moment from uh, out the back lot. So I think we've got a number of years before anything will happen there. Yeah. So once again, that's a that's a multi-purpose site. It's got, you know, wedding venue, uh, accommodation. It's, it's a very English feel. It's, uh, you know, you feel like, you still feel like you're out in the country and you're only about, what is it, 50 k's from the city. Sydney mm-hmm. CBD, and you basically get out there and you're in the country again. And what about uh, what about up in Queensland? What if what have you what what pubs have you got in Queensland? So we've got the Belvedere Hotel, which is a place called Woody Point, which is probably part of the Redcliffe or this yep, part Redcliffe, of the Redcliffe yep. Peninsula. Uh, it is once again a big site. It, it has a, I think it's on about one point eight hectare. It's uh, has it's our only place that operates retail at the moment. It's got a couple of bottle shops attached to that. Mm. Uh, it has it's right on the water. It's a unique 
in the fact that it's an east uh, sorry west facing hotel in the water so you yeah. feel like you're in western australia uh, you watch the sun go down over the water and straight in your face. Yeah. So, so, and, you know, terrific food business there for us. Always been a solid, solid performer. Uh, we've done, we did some renovation there probably four years ago now. Yes. Um, and we've touched that up a bit and it's really, and it, even during these recent times, it's been outperforming, you know, everywhere. Mm. And, is, and and anything anything else in in Queensland? So we've got a new addition, the Moncomo, which will be coming on this month, yeah, well, September twenty twenty. Mm. So that's famous also famous, Redcliffe. Pub, famous brand, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in the centre of Redcliffe, uh, another waterside location, and uh, yeah, we're quite excited to bring that on board. It's our first addition to the group for a long, long time. Since about two thousand six, I think. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So and so, so across the across the leisure division, how many staff would you employ? We sit around the four hundred to four fifty. Mm. So uh, we're a big employer. Our even our Queensland business, with the addition to uh, with the other hotel gang, I think we've become the second biggest employer in the Redcliffe area. Uh, we. Typical with all hotels, so, you know, it's a bit of a swinging door for the staff. They're, yep. they're in and out, and and it hasn't changed in the since the start of time. People do it as a transient job, or they come and do it while they're university, or they, you know, that's that's the great thing about it. it keeps the place very young, yep. uh, and people do it as second jobs, all those things. So uh, we we probably employ. 400 people at any point in time or we give jobs to 400 new people every year. So mm. that's, uh, but we focus on our main positions and our key positions in the management, the chefs, you know, and some of the key frontline roles. Yes. So we, you've got to get those positions right. Look, the frontline people will come and go and as long as they're great when they get there and they're better when they leave, that's all that matters to us. Happy days. Those yeah. guys, yeah. And good luck so- to you. So you've been you've been in the pub game for a long time. Uh, what makes a good pub, in your view? Uh, now, is that a question from, from a customer's perspective? I'm probably a lot different than. Other oh people. Well, well, give us or, give us give us the whole from gamut. an investment or from an operator. Well, an operator one you'd say one that uh, you know for us. I'll tell you what a good pub is for us. So uh, we're into, or we like to have a big big footprint. So we're going to be in the right location with a, you know, big property size. Uh, as we, the way we operate, we're not a family operating where mum and dad are in the bar. You know, we've got a lot of employment there, so we we don't really entertain unless there's, you know, fifty to hundred staff is a minimum. Um, so you've got to be big, and when you're mm-hmm. big, you've got to be busy. So mm-hmm. what makes a good pub? Then you know, you've got to have an immediate customer base. So very difficult. You wouldn't build a place like the Fiddler out in Broken Hill or somewhere where you haven't got that immediate customer base. So you need places where you've got the customers around it. Yes. And because you trade seven days a week, you've got to have, you've got to look at all those trading periods to maximise the use of space. So, you know, breakfast to late night, you know, we're serving eggs and then 
you know, four hours before that, we were pouring the last bourbon potentially. So <laughs> often so, a good combination. <laughs> and, and we've got some great, great cleaners that have jumped into the middle over there and tidied everything up and made it ready for a new day. Yeah. So it's a uh, yeah, you need that immediate, you know, customer base that are there, and then being able to maximise their attendance for different occasions. Um, you know, property property is important. We we develop our sites uh, regularly. Uh, we as new trends come in, if we're not catering for catering for it properly, we'll look to do you know enhance an area, make it make it a bit better, or add some value through different ways. Different yeah, okay. So become- so so tell me about that because I you know certainly um you know with the Belvedere and even the the, the Camden Valley Inn and parts of the Fiddler like they they. They just look beautiful. This, you know, architecturally, aesthetically, they're stunning. Yeah, and and you've got to stay. Look, we we try to stay on trend, not not ahead of the trend, just on trend. Uh, we're in suburban areas essentially, so we're we just got to be. Uh, yeah, they've they've got to fit that area, but people don't want or the customer base that we attract and want. It requires something that's of a certain standard, which we looked, which I'm glad to say that you just confirmed is of mm. good standard or very mm. good standard. And you know, when you get that, you got to, you know, you've got to maintain it. You know, maintenance in these sort of businesses is enormous, but you, you can't ignore it. You just got to keep keep the place up to a standard, keep it cleaning because customers notice, and that's what mm. it comes back to. So yeah, we and you've got to keep with the pub sort of businesses you just need to keep them fresh because they can get boring for customers so you just mm. need to keep it fresh and look to upgrade areas or enhance it. you know there's if we if we didn't we'd still be sitting there looking at tv screens that are you know 30 centimeters <laughs> so <laughs> instead of instead of these massive led things that are out now so so is that so you so what you're saying is that it's you're constantly reinventing yourself to to stay relevant in the market yeah, a constant state of flex and change. You know, you just got to keep changing and changing and changing. And that's probably been one of the interesting things. Just talking to different businesses during this uh, recent COVID stage, and everyone mm-hmm. think pivots the uh, trend word. And I'm going, well, we're pivoting every day. <laughs> we have been yeah. for a long, long time. So this is no different. So yeah. And so, like you know, if you if you're to look at pubs in your portfolio, are they hard to run? I imagine they would be from, you know, getting the food right, getting um, security, you know, opening hours, parking, all the things that go with amenity, everything, you know, that would just seem to me like an absolute nightmare trying to get your head around. Uh, well, if you ask me if they're hard to run, I'd say no, but people make them hard to run. Mm. Uh Essentially, I, I keep bringing our guys or our staff back to our DNA. In the end, we're selling beer, we're selling a burger or a pizza or a steak and schnitzel. We're selling a lot of food. But mm. by doing that, we don't have to overcomplicate it, particularly in suburbia and uh, in the areas we are. Um, yeah. Getting your fundamentals is the most critical thing and that that's our language around our business the whole time is get these fundamentals right uh, and you can get very distracted trying to work out new ways and different ways but really yeah. the, 
how often do you, I, I went to a new site in Queensland once and everyone was raving about this place and I went in and it was quite very busy yep. uh, went in looked fantastic absolutely unbelievable went in bought a beer all got a beer it was warm so we all got a warm beer oh, then I looked oh, around yeah, that's, that's, that's a big no no unless you're in England <laughs> yeah so then I looked around though and there was like 16 half drunk beers lying around just on tables and stuff so it was it was like that the whole time, and I thought I'll let the guy know. I said, "Mate, your beer's warm," and he goes, "Yeah, people have been telling us." I went, "Okay." <laughs> so you just the fundamentals. Yeah, you know, listen to your customers. Yeah, your fundamentals are just so important. You can do whatever you like, but then if your food tastes terrible and your beers are warm, forget it. So that's that's when people say it's hard to run. I go, no, but if you don't. If you're focusing on uh, the wrong things, it can be very hard. So how, um, how like, it's obviously a very competitive market. How do you stay relevant and keep the, the punters rolling through the doors? Uh, Justin, the best, I, I spend most of my time talking to them. I, I spend four days a week on sites and just talking to people consistently, uh, you know, across different, you know, we'll, we'll have... Uh, semi-retirees in there during the day will have young kids i say young kids 18 to 25 year old people at different times at night uh we'll have people staying in the hotel look the feedback from your customer base will tell you where your gaps are and then Mm. and obviously we look around to see what other people are doing our competitors etc like any normal business would um but once again it's always just looking back to, it's, it's just really looking into those customers and, and reading. Uh, I mean, I'll walk past the table and if I see half a pizza, I know they didn't enjoy it. So there was mm. something wrong. <laughs> so yeah. you just got to figure out whether that was a one-off or is it a, something that you're doing wrong every day. So mm. but that, that to me still is the only or the best way to find out where the heartbeat of your hotel's at. Just walk around and ask people and all our management do that and that's well, that's their direction the whole time. Well, you know, I look, I look at somewhere like the Fiddler, and to me, like you know, you could have, um, you know, Grandma's birthday there or Father's Day for you know, Granddad. You could have you know a wake there. You can have an 18th birthday there. You know, you can have a punt uh, if you know on the Melbourne Cup or you know in the sports bar. You can watch live sports. You can you know there's bits for the for the young ones for you know the, the nightclub, like the the uniqueness of some of these venues is that it, it really does cater to everyone. Yeah, we we sell experience in the end and that, and that's what we look at. So And, and you've got to give, in that experience, got, people are looking for a different experience at different times. So you might be, a, you'd be looking at a customer on a Saturday afternoon that just wants to watch the footy with his mates and sit in the public bar and do that comfortably with a cold beer. And then another time they might want to come out with their families, with their kids, with mum and dad and the grandparents and have a you know group birthday lunch so you're going to get all those different occasions and experiences that people are looking for and we always look at it that's that's our role is to facilitate that and provide a place where that experience is best catered for for any occasion so you know they, they say in business the worst thing you do is try to sell to everyone but we're sort of stuck with that in a way in the catering and the hospitality space. We do try to cater for nearly everyone. 
it's really about that like uh, the community position and uh, and you look at a normal community and the different groups and the different people that get involved in in an everyday life around suburbia in a, a local community we just we look at that and go okay how do we cater for everyone in that space well one of the ways you can do it is through a you know an absolutely unbelievable kitchen um <laughs> like you know i think i think pubs these days the food that you can get is extraordinary from whether as you were saying before like you know the schnitzel or the you know a, a cracking good steak the pizzas you know the pork knuckle at the fiddler is unbelievable um how, how do you like where do you get your chefs from and how do you keep the menus uh, relevant look yeah and food's the most important thing i, I was Suddenly thinking, uh, with I remember when a pub put a coffee machine in in the nineteen eighties that I was at working at, and they uh, <laughs> someone was going to make a cappuccino, and I thought, how stupid are these people? That'll never work. But it's just that involvement of that industry, and we're seeing our industry, and then food has evolved unbelievably. And I, I mean, I personally think Australia's got the best food anywhere in the world mm. consistently. For what you get, whether it be at a pub or a cafe, a club or a restaurant, or you know, casual dining, fine dining, in Australia is unbelievable, and the competition in that space just dictates if you want to be, uh, you want to be in that business and you want to sell food, you got to be good. So you got to check every single detail of what goes on a plate and how you're doing it, because people people will come to your place because it's nice and they enjoy enjoy it but no one ever goes out and goes i really want a bad meal today can't wait <laughs> i'm just going to go out and get the worst thing i can possibly think of and order it so you just got to nail it nail it right so i mean we we average nearly uh we're getting up around we're pretty close to a million people a year that we're feeding i think it's over nearly twenty thousand a week um wow. so there's a lot of plates going out there's a lot of detail there but i go back to it again what i was saying earlier basics get the fundamentals right you can get i had something at one of our sites the other day and they uh put some new addition to a breakfast menu item and then they overcook the eggs so you go well you got the eggs wrong it doesn't matter what else you put with it so you mm. just got to get all the, the key things right and then you can keep adding so, yeah. yeah okay so let's talk about covid um, obviously, that has upset the apple cart all over the world. Um, how has that impacted uh, the pubs that you operate? And give us a sense of where you're at now in terms of um, sort of the you know the reopening with a few you know restrictions. Uh, look, being open is a lot better than being closed. I think mm. uh, every hotel will tell you that. And it was about ten weeks of total closure that we went through. Uh, yeah, been, been a very interesting year, hasn't it, with this COVID? Uh, and it's tough for everyone. I mean, it's tough for uh, I feel for the governments, you know, the staff, customers, and look. As a result, there's just more rules and regulations everyone needs to comply with, and the rules and you know the hotels are heavily regulated as it is. So this is just another layer. Um, yeah. but it's not onerous. I mean, look. You know, everyone wants, for the better part, everyone wants to do the right thing and everyone wants to see this thing off. 
So yes. I don't think there's anyone out there going, I wish this will hang around another year. Mm. No, <laughs> uh, we want to see it off. and We're keen to see it. Look, the biggest impact the, when, and like kudos to the AHO, Australian Hotels Association and the state government of New South Wales for getting the hotels open in early June. I mean, that was terrific. And, and look, for the best part, that's worked well. I mean, you get a bit of publicity to the opposite every now and then, but look, there's a lot of places which we've now managed to keep our staff engaged. Mm. That said, we're still operating with 150 less staff across our organisation mm. at this point in time. Um, the major change that hasn't been, I suppose, as good for us is when the, the, the venue cap was put in place, which is 300 people at this point in time. Yeah. So, in the, and as I said earlier, our hotel holds twenty three hundred people and fifteen hundred people in New South Wales. So three hundred sort of makes it feel like you're sitting there on a a date in the middle of the SCG with no one else around. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, not, it's not the greatest. It can really affect that experience, and that's what hurts us. It's not. Like, forget the revenues and money and all. I'm not even worried about that. It's just that we want people to have a good experience. And then you just yeah. lose a bit of that vibe, obviously. The, the yeah, atmosphere is not quite there. Yeah. 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 But look, we're, we're, we're learning to get better every week. We get better at that. We keep working on it. I think the uh, the four square metre rule, which they initially opened with uh, back in June, the Fiddler, for instance, could fit 800 uh, people in. At that point in time, which was good, we we could work that, and you know we could hang on to that for some time. So I'm I am hopeful that that may come back, and I'd like to see it come back a bit, uh, a little bit. And and because of the size of our place, I mean we've got so we've got a lot of car parking, we've got a lot of entrances. We can do the social distancing better than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's plenty plenty of way to keep everyone apart. We make it easy to order, easy you know cleaning, all that happens. So. Yeah, but, but a, people look, have to—they have to be seated, though, don't they? Yeah, correct. So everyone's got to be seated. But people, as I said okay. at the start, people with the COVID, people, people want to do the right thing. So you find nearly everybody wants to, um, you know, stay seated or do the right thing. It's just some people don't know, so you just got to let them, just advise them, say, so sit down, please. Yeah, <laughs> and then off you go. But they're, they're, I, I think that, and people want to get out. I think that's probably the biggest thing I've noticed. I've never seen so many happy people come to the pubs that have just been so happy to get out. Yeah, uh, okay. And though, it's particularly in June, uh, and I, uh, I, you know, you hear a lot about the mental health and stuff like that. I, I've seen it in a different way. I've just seen people so bloody happy just to see their friends and say hello and elbow touch or whatever they do. And, Mm. You know, just to catch up with people they haven't seen for a long time. So, mm. and that's where pubs fit in that space. It's just terrific for people to be able to get there and do that. Have you got a sense of um, um, if you put COVID to one side in terms of the group, uh, what's next? Clearly, you've got your hands full running um, four pubs and and other and other things. Have you got your eyes on anything else, or can't really go there? <laughs> no, look, we're we're always active and looking now. Um, th- things will emerge, and I think maybe this COVID will, uh, you know, a few different people will have a different result as an outcome of it. I, I don't personally think we've seen the worst of the impacts uh, on a uh, commercial side yet. 
I think that'll probably mm. come later as job keepers and the uh, the money from the government start to ease up. I think that's when we're going to start to see some impacts on our sort of business. Although pubs are um, amazingly resilient to uh, mm. any change, it's, I think the 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 only time that they don't perform particularly great is when the world's just very static. So if we're if we're moving up or moving down, the pubs are normally going up. By the way, mm. but uh, yeah. I I think there'll be some changes happen in the marketplace. But look, we're in a very good position with that. We're, you know, we've got low you know low and manageable debt levels. Uh, we're looking at you know those opportunities will start to present themselves. We believe over the next year or two. And, uh, yeah, we'll be active. Well, we wish you well. Brad Jenkins, Head of Leisure at Lewis Land Group, thank you so much for joining us on the Unicorns today. Mm-hmm.